Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over Monday, slightly, just enough to fit in movies. That's all I ask. Something I like to say at the top of every show, although I do believe most importantly on a movie Monday. And it's kind of interesting, I think, and I think this has come up before, that for me, and this may not be the same for everyone, the order of importance of spoiler warnings follows the order of the days of the week and therefore the themes of the week. So I do believe, let me give you the rundown, movie Monday spoilers are most important. If I have a movie spoiled for me, I will potentially not even watch it. TV Tuesdays, same thing. Very similar vein, so quite important. Book Wednesdays, eh, quite often you're going to know the outlying story of a book, especially if you're reading any of the classics. Surf Video Games Day, stories? They, they have stories that could be spoiled? Quite often that is the case. They have stories? They do? Huh. Yeah. Uh, unimportant. Fry Internet Days, I don't even technically give a warning on Fry Internet Days, because it's things from the internet. How can you spoil them? Really? Really? So, uh, you know, little interest there. Possibly, maybe. I don't know. I said it anyways, and there's no putting it back in. <clears throat> Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No. That is... Ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, or comment within iTunes because that is what helps podcasts grow and flourish. Flourish is the word of the day. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business before we hop into this Movie Monday episode, which is today's sponsor, which is... The Wolverine Open-Faced Knuckle Sandwich. Once again, today's sponsor is the Wolverine Open-Faced Knuckle Sandwich. Thank you to that thing for sponsoring today's episode, in which I have four. Count them. Four. Well, no need to count them, because I'll talk about four, and then at the end you'll realize that there was four. So no need to freak out. Oh boy, because I have four, I should rush, and I have done anything but rush so far, so I've probably screwed myself pretty, pretty good. Hopefully, at the very least, I can get two movies done on the way to work and two on the way home. Let's jump right in to movie first called Contracted. Contracted. Hmm, interesting. And this movie is interesting. This movie, out of every movie in this Movie Monday episode, I feel like I'm saying movie too many times, Probably the spoiler warning at the top of the show is the most important for this over any single other one. So, if you have not seen Contracted, I am going to spoil the ending. The ending which, for me anyways, because I love a ending I did not see coming, turned a movie that was a 2 out of 5 into... Well, the movie's still kind of a 2 out of 5, but the ending is like a 5 out of 5, yeah. So, 
that's a convoluted rating, but that's how I rate things. Overall movie, 2 out of 5. Ending of the movie, 5 out of 5. Yeah, because of its twist, which I will get into momentarily. Uh, this movie starts out with a lesbian girl at a party who is slipped a Mickey. The old slipping of a Mickey. A date rape drug type scenario going on here. And uh, she's raped by a dude. So double sort of whammy there because a lesbian and raped by a man. That's got to be even worse, I assume. I don't know. That's pretty insensitive of me to say anything on this subject, so I will stop doing so. She wakes up the next day and she's not feeling very well. She assumes she's just hungover and maybe some of this drug is still in her system. However, it turns out she's got an STD, otherwise known as, aka, a sexually transmitted disease. And this ain't your granddaddy's STD. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, it, it's not your average everyday STD as it starts to act and act quickly and act horrifically. She starts to bleed down there, which uh, I think is something a STD can do for a woman. I, I think it could do it for a man as well. Painful uh, peeing with blood in it. You know, I, I've heard of that. Luckily, knock on wood, have never had an STD. So, yay. Yay, that fact. Uh, she's, she's always very cold. Run down some, some of her symptoms here. Just can't seem to get warm. Uh, one thing that happens fairly early on that it just sort of glanced over, but once you know the ending is a bit of a precursor, uh, so this is where the spoilers are going to start happening, is that her mother, who is a bit of a bitch, yeah, she is a bitch, uh, is in the kitchen and she burns her hand pretty badly. And the girl smells it, and it smells good to her, like cooked meat. So she is, her appetite is, is set off by the smell of burning flesh. Hmm. Interesting. Side effect of this STD. Yeah. Another sort of in the same vein is she takes a couple bites of a salad while at work. Because she goes to work, she's a trooper. And uh, the salad tastes horrible to her. Ew, yucky salad. I want meat. That kind of idea. Mm, interesting, interesting. Uh, her Eventually she reaches the point where things have sort of escalated. She's been to the doctor, and this doctor, uh, I think he needs a little malpractice action on his ass because he's not putting things together that this girl is basically falling apart. Reaches the point where, and I watched this with the missus, I should say, because uh, she likes a good horror movie. Reaches a point where it reminded me of the movie The Fly with Jeff Goldblum because this girl's hair starts falling off, her nails fall out. Uh, eventually, her eyes become sort of totally bloodshot, like burst blood vessels. Scary to behold this girl. Everyone starts saying to her, Man, you look like shit. No one says to her, Go to the hospital, including the goddamn doctor, which I find unrealistically ridiculous. Uh, just on that sort of note of ridiculousness, None of the acting's great in this. A lot of the plot points and reactions of the characters just do not make sense. It would not happen in a real, actual, existing universe, which is why I would give the movie sort of a two before the ending. Uh, eventually, we reach the point where she's starting to fall apart, both physically and mentally, which makes sense. And uh, she loses her shit on her lesbian girlfriend and kills her. Yeah. Goes crazy. Goes insane. Yeah. 
so that was uh you could kind of see it brewing so that that was interesting eventually we reached a point where she kills someone else uh yeah not really important to the purposes of our talk here so i won't say who and then we reach the end where part of the reason she's cold all the time is because her her heartbeat is super super slow eventually it reaches the point where it's so slow she passes out passes out behind the wheel of her car and crashes crashes and presumably dies oh movie over no it's not over she's not dead she's undead she is in fact a zombie what yeah the movie ends where uh, cops are sort of at the scene and so is her mother sort of inexplicably and um this girl this lesbian with the std is acting very very zombie-like in fact is dead and uh, attacks the mom and then sort of from that point well the movie's over at that point but then we can make the assumption that that was the start of a zombie outbreak which uh, i did not see coming there is some precursors that would indicate that it was going to happen which i guess i just didn't notice so i love it i love an ending i didn't expect so the ending for me gets a five out of five folks stopping getting breakfast back in a moment editing 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 on the road again on the road again that was the on the road again remix thank you for that voice box the lovely and talented and busty Jordan, <laughs> and guy, service to me at the um, coffee shop I frequent about once a week on my drive-in to either get coffee or, in this case, coffee and breakfast. Thank you to her. I should hop back into this Movie Monday episode because, as I mentioned, deadline. want to get things done. So, to facilitate that getting of things done, I'll talk about our next movie called After Earth. After Earth. Oh, I wrote here Afterbirth. As in the afterbirth of Will Smith's coupling with Jada Pinkett Smith resulted in this movie. Wow. <laughs> that is mean. Uh, but this movie's not very good. Um, see, I say that on the one hand, but I also feel that, and I wish I had written it down when I heard it, but Someone on Doug Loves Movies podcast, I forget who it was, it was a comedian, said something that I know is true for me as well, and that is, I like movies. I like most movies. Very, very infrequently will there be a movie that I do not like. It just, that's kind of how it happens. That's why quite often movies on this podcast will get three out of five. I use my threes for movies that I enjoyed while watching but would never watch again. This falls into that category quite, quite easily. I did enjoy it while watching. It's not a movie that i like, wow, this is amazing, I want to see this again. That will not happen. But still, I got enjoyment out of the watching of this movie. Quite a number of people did not. Yeah. Uh, got horrible, horrible reviews, uh, sort of screams of nepotism, which, yeah, I can kind of see that being the case. Like, if this kid was not Will Smith's son, I don't think he would be in movies and in this movie, or this movie would even exist, like that sort of idea. I don't think as an actor I uh, much care for him. That being said, he's a kid, right? So nowhere to go but up, and 
he has the sort of he has things at his disposal that would allow him to work towards becoming a better actor quite quite easily i think so you know let's say it that way the movie also has that sort of potentially made for the purposes of making money feel uh, as opposed to the purposes of making a good movie feel, which uh, kind of saddens me, if anything. <laughs> the one thing I like about sort of this fact and saying things like this is the fact that Will Smith has realized that this movie is not very good. And I've heard him uh, on interviews, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, where he led on to the fact that it's the first time ever, well, maybe not ever, well, maybe ever, He's had a movie come out in the summer that wasn't a sort of a number one summer blockbuster. <laughs> he has kind of a, well, he can't win them all attitude towards it. A sort of shrugging of shoulders. Eh, they can't all be winners. <laughs> so I like that fact that he's, he's sort of resigned to his fate with regards to After Earth. The story. Uh, yeah, sure. I suppose there's some sense making to the story. Uh, it involves humans in the far, far distant future. Humans who are no longer living on Earth for the reason that it was, I guess, invaded by these aliens. Aliens who, I think something that's come up in things I've either read or seen before, human, aliens who do not see but smell. Smell your fear. So, Will Smith plays a character, uh, a member of an elite group, an elite fighting force, who have no fear, therefore are invisible to the enemies. Now, one thing I don't get about this is that how do these aliens see um, trees and rocks and inanimate objects if these inanimate objects are not um, fearful? <laughs> or exuding any sort of smell whatsoever. It doesn't make sense. And another thing is, if they smell fear, could we not, as a human species, devise a sort of spray that masks that emitting of this fear pheromones? We have goddamn Febreze right now that eliminates odors, quote-unquote. So I think if we have that technology now, we could probably come up with something similar with regards to fear stench. Okay, so we'll get past all that. And then we'll get into the actual story of a crash landing where uh, the only survivor is Will Smith and his son. They were sort of practically just going on vacation to get to know one another because they didn't kind of get along. I can hear that. Uh-huh. I can smell it, too. Uh, the crash landing happens on Earth, the formerly human-inhabited Earth. And uh, then it sets it up for a quest. And uh, I've mentioned so many times that I love a good quest. The quest involves sending young young Mr. Smith from point A to point B for the reason that in the tail of the crash ship that is like a hundred kilometers away is a beacon that they need in order to signal to get rescued. Okay? Will Smith was severely hurt in the, in the crash, broken, uh, broken leg, so can't go along. However, they can interact through a sort of camera on uh, the kid's arm, that, that kind of idea. So they are separated by many miles between them, but can interact with one another. Things that are thrown up to block this quest from completion are things like, apparently, 
Uh, we can't breathe the air of Earth in the far distant future. I forget the reason why. It doesn't really doesn't really matter. Uh, but what it means is, every once in a while, young Mr. Smith has to uh, inject, not inject, ingest this fluid that will help him breathe the atmosphere. So there's some tense situations there. Another thing is that uh, rapid changing temperatures, and uh, I don't know how they're introducing all these things. I, I kind of don't think they did. Like, why has the Earth suddenly reached a point where at nighttime the temperature suddenly drops to, like, freezing of water degrees? That kind of doesn't make sense, especially when this this whole sort of sequence of events is taking place in kind of like a, a jungle-type setting. So I don't think you can have a jungle-type setting where at nighttime water freezes. Uh, it doesn't make, how you say, sense. Anyways, uh, the other things are, there's monkeys, those attack them at one point, so there's a giant bird, and I'm talking giant can pick up a small boy, bird, okay, whatever. Uh, the worst is that this transport that crashed was carrying one of these fear-smelling aliens that got loose upon crashing, and that's sort of the worst foe throughout. Okay, uh, overall, it's got sci-fi, it's got some action, uh, Kid, not the greatest actor, Will Smith, good as usual. Uh, I don't know, I, I think quite solidly, easily for me to give 3 out of 5. I think uh, many out there, especially people who review movies for a living, would give it much, much less. So, you know, whatever. Folks, I'm at work, so we're going to count that down as a win and say, well, the day was saved, obviously. I, I, I didn't even need to say it. I don't know why I felt like I had to slip that in. Obviously, the day was saved, and they lived happily ever after the end. Uh, I will be back after eight hours of work for two more movies. Mm, yes, indeed. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, oh my glass. Look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. That was an eight-hour workday. <coughs> There's no denying it. It's freezing. Freezing in this car. Oh God. To the point where it makes me want to cough. So I edit out coughs. Just keep that in mind. You're welcome. Movie the third, The Wolverine. Yeah, that one. Big fan of the X-Men movies in general. Have never seen one I did not enjoy. On that note, this may be my least favorite. Uh, that being said, I'm still going to go like three, four out of five. Uh, in that range. Probably closer to three. Yeah, okay. I've talked myself into giving it a three and not being all namby-pamby about rating things and just picking a number and going with it in this case. I'm going to go three. Which, again, as I mentioned this morning, I did enjoy it very much while watching. Uh, I don't think this one bears a rewatch in my future anytime um, ever. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, meh. I think it kind of, for me, didn't feel really 
like a X-Men movie. And I guess technically it's not. It's a Wolverine movie. But it didn't really even feel like a Wolverine movie. And let me explain by getting into the story. The story is that uh, Wolverine, a.k.a. Logan, uh, is sort of pulled back to Japan to say goodbye to someone he saved, saved from the bombing at Nagasaki, the, you know, atomic bomb, and this person is dying. So he feels that, um, uh, well, I was going to say he feels that he owes this guy something, and he kind of does, I suppose, because it was sort of, uh, he was captured by the Japanese, and uh, this guy, before the bomb was about to be dropped, rescued all the prisoners by setting them free. Rescued in the sense that he set them free, um, not rescued in a sense that they did all die in the explosion. So, too, would he have if Wolverine didn't sort of pull him into this hole slash cave where he was being kept? And I kind of think that the amount of radiation they would have experienced this close to the blast uh, would have killed this guy, for sure, from just radiation poisoning. And it wouldn't have killed Wolverine, because, well, he's Wolverine, and he has, if you are unaware, somehow, some way, I pity your unawareness of this subject, because it is a great subject, and that is his ability to uh, heal himself. And the reason why he was alive when the bomb was dropped on Nagasaki and still looks the same age is because of that exact healing ability. Keeps him young. Keeps him young. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what set up the story. Sort of unlikely setup. But uh, he goes to this dude who's on his deathbed from cancer. So yeah, I suppose that makes sense as far as being exposed to radiation. A little science there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy says to Wolverine, what I can do for you is take away your ability to heal yourself and give it to myself. It will cure me. You will not have to go on with this existence, which you so much um, do not like. You so much deride. You so much, from all sort of outward appearances, possibly sort of wish your own death. But it ain't gonna happen, bub, because um, you can't die. Despite Wolverine's not exactly enjoying life, he doesn't want to die either. So, uh, does he say no, or he's thinking about it? I actually can't remember. Either he says no, or he says he'll think about it, and then the guy dies anyways. This sets it up for the doctor of the guy, a certain Madame Viper, or Madame Hydra, that's where I was a little confused as far as the comics in this movie. Is it Madame Viper and Madame Hydra are the same person? Anyways, this girl who cannot be poisoned is immune is immune to all poisons for the reason that she is poisonous. She, what she does, using her mutant ability, is uh, poisons Wolverine with a, uh, as I would describe it, a heart spider. Yeah, a poison heart spider. <laughs> that uh, then sort of saps him of his ability to regenerate. And this is where it kind of falls apart for me as far as being a X-Men mutant superhero movie. It sort of turns into, from this point on, to just a action movie. A good action movie with uh, lots of cool scenes, but uh, you're sort of removing one of the main reasons why I like these movies, and that is for mutants and mutant powers 
which have a incredibly small role to play in this movie as a whole. So uh, that saddens me. It saddens me a great deal. In fact, am I correct in thinking, and I think I might be, the only two people with mutant powers in this entire movie are Wolverine and Madame Hydra. And for an X-Men movie to only have two people with mutant powers is not right, as far as I'm concerned. Again, that being said, uh, I'm saying not nice things about it in certain regards, but it is, as far as action movies go, go is action-packed. It is nighttime, so I cannot see my notes, so I'm going to kind of go from what I remember. What I remember is that uh, Wolverine is sort of charged with taking care of this dead old man's daughter for the reason that I guess she was put in charge of this guy's company that's worth billions of dollars instead of his son who thought he was going to be in charge. Uh, he is pissed and A wants revenge over this insult and B wants to kill her for the reason that then the company will be his. So Wolverine kind of feels like, yeah, I owe this guy one and decides, okay, I'm going to save this girl come what may. So a lot of them is, a lot of the movie is them traveling and periodically being stopped by bad guys. Bad guys who are sort of just henchmen-y and not really of interest, whereas normally in a universe where mutants exist, you're going to have mutants fighting mutants. So none of that, just bad guys fighting other bad guys. Felt kind of like a little, uh, like a kung fu movie. And I don't think that's racist to say, because this just takes place in Japan. I think it's, uh, it felt like a kung fu movie, because there was a lot of uh, cool fight scenes involving various martial arts, and some serious ass-kickings being handed around quite often to Wolverine. Like, he's, what is he, shot, stabbed, fell off a building, just beaten as shit. So that is, I suppose, one good thing about going this sort of route with this movie, is that taking a dude who is basically invulnerable and making him vulnerable is going to add a little more tension. And yeah, I suppose it did do that. So maybe it wasn't the dumbest maneuver for a movie idea. I think my favorite action sequence of this movie took place on top of a train. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this has come up a couple of times, and I always find it amusing that if you are going to do an action movie you got to goddamn well have part of it on top of a train going very, very fast. This was a bullet train, too. So if you know anything about bullet trains in Japan, they're like 300 friggin' kilometers an hour, fastest trains in existence. You don't want to be fighting on those things. Quite often, Wolverine's uh, claws would come into play where he'd fall and then have to keep himself from sliding off. Some of the guys he was fighting with would use their knives to keep from falling off. Because you'll just freaking shoot off that thing. Anyways, that was a good scene as far as action-y things go. And I think as far as fights on top of trains, you could goddamn well put a couple of guys having a match of chess on top of a train, and that would make it pretty exciting. Um, what else should I say? I'm uh, getting near the... I think I can... Yeah, there's a little twist at the end of this movie that... Uh, I think I will for the purposes of this particular one, since I assume most people listening to this will watch this movie. I'm not going to give it away, because it's, uh, it's easy for me to do so. I, if spoilers are uh, easy for me not to spoil, huh? Does that make sense? 
then uh, quite often I won't, and I will not in this game. But there's a little twist at the end that, uh, uh, no, I didn't see coming. I didn't see coming. So I liked it. I will not mention it. Moving on to the next movie, little film called uh, Coffee Town. That is the word coffee followed by the word town. This is a movie from the good people over at College Humor. In fact, it is their first foray into the field of movie ship. So that's interesting right there. Uh, I'm trying to think, and I don't think, that there has ever been another sort of in this case. If I'm wrong, please correct me, because I'd like to know. Uh, has a website, such as College Humor, ever created their own movie, such as this? Maybe on a smaller scale, but this is a definite field, a big scale, pretty substantial budget Hollywood movie with stars, actual, factual, real big name stars. Stars such as Glenn Howerton, who you may know if you watch the funniest program on television today. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. He plays Dennis Reynolds. Yeah, that guy. That handsome devil, apparently. So that right there, if you're going to take a man from the funniest show on TV and put him in a funny movie, you know, sign me up. Then we'll move on to Steve Little, who also, on one of the funniest shows on TV today, little uh, program as well called Eastbound and Down, Steve Little plays Stevie on the show, which uh, I think I saw in an interview with him that it was just a coincidence that the character's name was Stevie and that his name is Steve and he got the role of Stevie. So that's an interesting little tidbit. Uh, lastly, and... For me, most importantly, just for the reason that this dude is for me, for my bang, for my buck, the funniest human being I think, I do believe, in existence on the planet today. So, you know, I'm going to like that in a movie as well. A certain man by the name of Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz, who I have multiply, multiply? May not be worth multiple times, in fact, probably just about every time he has come up on the podcast on either maybe a movie Monday, more likely TV Tuesday or Hot Internet Day, uh, I always like to mention that I have made the prediction that he is going to be the next big thing in comedy, sort of explode ridiculously, kind of how, let's say, Zach Galifianakis did, similar to that. And I think... The rumblings have been going on for a while. This is just sort of further evidence in that surmise. Hmm, interesting. So you're putting all these things together into a comedy movie, and I'll tell you right now, this movie, 5 out of 5. I laughed very, very many times. Uh, I think, potentially, I went in with too high expectations. So even with high expectations... I'm still going to give it five out of going in with high expectations that were maybe not 100% met. Hate to say it, but that's true. Nothing they did that's just sort of on my part. Even with that sort of burden going in, still going to go five out of five. Yeah, very, very much like this movie. Laughs galore. And one thing I wanted to point out, and this comes up sort of just about every movie Monday, definitely every movie Monday where I bring back a comedy movie. And that is, this movie did not follow 
the comedy movie formula, just like I had been pleading for. If you listen to my review of We're the Millers, uh, that was my most recent plea for something different. It didn't follow the usual someone and another person not getting along at the beginning of the movie, and then they sort of grow to love one another and develop a respect. Then something happens and they fall out of love, and then by the end of the movie, they love each other again. That happens in every comedy movie, but not this one, because they listen to my plea somehow, some way. Yeah, there's a totally unlike anything I think I've ever really seen before, at least not following that formula. Uh, it involves these three dudes who spend a large amount of time in a coffee shop, uh, sort of Starbucks-y. I've only ever been in one Starbucks, and the setup of this coffee shop reminded me of that one experience I had in the Starbucks, very, very much so. Glenn Howerton plays a dude who uses this coffee shop as his office, doesn't like to work from home, doesn't, well, have an office, so goes there every day. Drinks coffee, uses the free Wi-Fi. He finds out that they're turning this particular one into some sort of bistro instead of a coffee shop. He doesn't like it. So, he and his pals, Steve and Ben Schwartz, those are their actual names, not their names in the movies, decide that uh, a good way to, I guess, trick this company into not turning it into this fancy bistro thing is to rob the place. Yeah. To further the comedy of this robbing of this coffee shop, uh, I just wanted to point out that Ben Schwartz is a cop. Yeah, uh, a police officer who polices this area in which this coffee shop is located. Uh, I'm so close to home that I'm kind of upset with myself that I don't have enough time to talk about this as much as I would like. Uh, there's a point where uh, Steve wrestles a a guy with Down Syndrome. Um, there is a love interest that for once did not feel tacked on. It felt like it actually needed to be part of the story. Uh, what else? Uh, Josh Groban, who is a musician. I'm not actually familiar with his music. Apologies to Josh Groban. I know that has really upset him. He plays the sort of douchebag. Because in a comedy movie, even if it doesn't follow a usual formula, you need a bit of a douchebag to sort of be the bad guy. Uh, and he did it very, very well. I was surprised. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I knew he was not an actor until, like, towards the end of the movie. And then I realized uh, who it was from seeing him on something else where he was playing a piano. So uh, that's, that's, that's uh, I don't know if it's high praise, but it is praise to say that someone in a movie... I thought was an actor throughout the movie. Turns out not even an actor. Yeah, sure, that's that's praise of a sort. All in all, uh, I just want to say, see this movie if you are a fan of comedy and are tired of the same old comedy formula. Now, I always mention when I say say a movie like We're the Millers follows that comedy for formula that it's not necessarily a bad thing, and you can still have laughs with that formula. But I yearn for something different, and this provided it. So it just goes to show you, movie makers, you can try something new and have it come out well. Yay. Yay you for potentially doing that. Yay me for stopping talking momentarily. Yay you for listening. Yay just life, people. Life. Ugh.
That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper